Game Boy. <sighs> yeah, this fucking this Carl Hesty shit's making me go crazy. Don't don't mention this on the show. Uh, our audience fucking loves Carl Hesty. Yeah, I know our audience loves Carl Hesty. They hate renewable energy. <laughs> They hate it. Don't don't do this to us. Sorry. Or, or maybe do this to us. Yeah, maybe this is finally how we free ourselves by creating uh, getting all our oil fans up in arms. Damn. Damn. That'd be so sick. That'd be that'd be awesome if it was like a, a like a just a bunch of fossil fuel CEOs listening to the podcast. Yeah, it just turned What's up, out, guys. It just turned out that like a bunch of Exxon and fucking Valero BP fucking execs are just hey, like, there's like, man, up, we, boys? we love to hear the takes about Warhammer. I I like you guys. You guys like eat little kids. You you, you like you eat all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Yeah, you make gas out of dinosaur bones, which actually is pretty cool. Like in an objective sense. <laughs> There's got to be other uses for dinosaur bones. You'd think so. Like maybe like a dick pills. Well, yeah. Oh, wow. A T-Rex blue chew. Yeah. Like you go to the gas station. It's like a pill with a powder made from pure T-Rex. That's, that's what that's what actually Dominion is about. It's coming out <laughs> in July. It's, it's yeah. like uh, Jeff Goldblum's like, oh, wow. I, 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 I just life. Uh, he's 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 in bed. We open on Jeff Goldblum in bed. It's like currents. We think it's a sexy scene, but then he he's having sex with this woman, and then he has a flash, the dinosaur flash. Ah, fear. He, he can't get it up. He has a soft penis. And he's like, oh, I guess life can't find a way. And opening problem. I guarantee you that's going to be way better. Yeah, right it's, that's the opening problem. And then uh, then uh, the, the inciting incident is he learns from Chris Pratt that Chris Pratt's sex life is thriving because he's yeah. been taking yeah. T-Rex pills. Well, he's been no, he's been he's been getting sucked off by the Velociraptors. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, he's he's got his own freaky thing going on. Dude, I, I don't, honestly, Jeff Bolt, Goldblum trying to get hard again is just so much better than whatever that, that they're going to do. Agree. Just give me a trilogy. Give me a trilogy around using dinosaur dust for male aphrodisiac. Yeah. Someone's got to think about what it's like to be a man who has a hard time getting a boner as though that's not like the majority of how society has been structured over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I Jeff Goldblum ideal dick medicine candidate cool ass guy everyone respects and loves this guy needs dick pills zero stigma left yeah absolutely zero stigma jeff goldblum could single-handedly erase the stigma around ed just by being like sometimes i can't get hard and then everyone would be like wow (laughs) uh yeah um fuck damn um I'm off camera because uh, I got I got the, I got I'm messing with this sick ass camera I got over here. Check okay. it out. I'm about to be. I just turned on my camera because uh, I'm drink, I'm drinking a twisted tea and I wanted to show off. Oh wait, I said check it out, but then I I don't have a camera, so you can't. Yeah, I, that's, I was waiting for something to happen. <laughs> I actually turned it's, on my I actually turned on my camera because I clicked the video tab to cut over to our video so I could see what you were going to show me, and nothing happened. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, oh, dude, I, I got a chance to play with the Nintendo Switch OLED. Oh, how was it? Really cool. Holy Re- shit. Really? Like 100% worth. 
Whoa. Like I was, I was shocked. Um, the only thing they didn't improve the joy cons, joy cons probably should have been improved for a deluxe version of this console, but Oh my God. Like I went from playing, I, I played triangle strategy on the OLED and because it has a wider screen that goes to the edges, it, it, it feels like you get double the real estate, like the art, everything just shines so much more. Damn. Hell yeah. It's it is just it's not just a upgrade it's distinctly different it's a really really cool handle experience just like i i felt like i felt like i couldn't go back after seeing it it was like when you play at higher frame rates and then you go back to like playing at 30 and you like see every frame uh it was super cool uh the screen's really bright the battery is incredible the colors are poppier um it just it just makes the games shine more um it really felt like you know how when game boy went from having like no backlit screen to the like sp backlitting for the first sure. time it isn't obviously that big of a leap but it kind of feels like that yeah well i do think that this is an interesting thing is that like sometimes people forget myself included that like image quality on like a video game context comes from so many things beyond just like sort of like rendering speed and frame rate and shit and just like changing the way that the lights work and are displayed can just like increase the image quality at like 720 or whatever so much right um, yeah and that's so cool and it's cool to know that that like actually worked because i was like i kind of dubious about it but that's i mean that sounds fucking sweet yeah like and you know it made me really realize it kind of made me feel fucking old that i was like this console's already been out for like five or six years. Like Breath of the Wild came out in like 2016. Like, like that just feels like a million lifetimes ago. I don't know. It's trippy. It's like at this point, you'd on average be two years away from a new console drop. But it's like, is the switch going to be like a full 10? Yeah, I mean, it could be. It could be that we have longer generations now. I think I wouldn't be surprised if we do have longer generations now because I think that like hardware has gotten to a point where you can do like software upgrades and like hardware is far enough ahead of even of like TVs and shit that like, it's not unreasonable to think that you people would just sit on a, a piece of hardware and sort of let, let that generation play out for a pretty long time. Right. Cause like, uh, I mean, especially if they can make more money off of it, like, like they already, people already freaked out because there was like a fake rumor about a PS five pro. Yeah. And the internet like melted down. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And like, and the thing is that like, if I wanted to upgrade the like graphics of the games that I play on the PS5, like I could do that by like buying an OLED TV. Do you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't need a new console. Uh, yeah. Or, or acquiring one. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, somehow tripping over my dick and landing on one is another option. the coolest fucking TV of all time. I know. It's, un it's unbelievable that after how hard so many people worked. Who well, you like had no involvement at all to like obtain and set up that TV. You ended up having it. That's like such an incredible I, dub. I earned it with different sets of blood, sweat and tears, but uh, it fucking. Yeah, no one could earn this. This is the premiere of visual quality. Um, I would never spend this much on a TV. Um, so that's why I acquired it. Um, it makes everything not just video games but like everything look good i'm rewatching attack on titan right now with uh my girlfriend she's watching it for the first time and yeah it's just it's just great it's just great to sit down 
and get hit with that OLED. It really, it's real. I was trying to talk to, I was trying to talk to, to my partner about getting a, you know, an OLED for TV for the house. And she was just like, yeah. <laughs> and she was, this was a real, uh, it illustrated the gap between homeowner and home renter. Um, cause I was like, we should just get a fucking OLED TV for, for your place. And she was like, no, any money I spend on my house is going to be like on the house because I own it. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, whoa, what? (laughs) That is. But the the TV is part of the house. If you go inside a house and there's no TV, that's a cursed house. Yeah. I mean, you're basically in Sweden at that point. They're not going to feed you or anything. Yeah. What's up with that? (laughs) It's so funny. It was like apparently in Sweden, like feeding guests isn't like a traditional thing in the same way it is in other places. And so fucking is that why there was a map of like where you get snacks in America? Yeah. Or like where you get served food in America by state. Yeah. That's why it's in this whole thing. And so people were like, so there's this Reddit post where someone like posted basically like I went to my friend's house and uh, my friend got called down to eat dinner and then they didn't invite me to dinner. So I was waited in his room <laughs> until he finished eating. And then my friend came back. Uh, and I asked him what happened. He was like, oh, we're Swedish. We don't like invite people to whatever. And then people on the internet were like, this is sociopath shit. And then Swedish people were like, no, this is just what we do. And then everyone was like, what the fuck, Sweden? You can't be this way. Yeah, that's good. Stigmatize them. We need it. We need a punching bag, right? Yeah. And it's kind of nice to have it be like a white people country for once, you know? Yeah, thankfully. Yeah. Thankfully. Take us be, down be- a notch. <laughs> It would be weird if there if people were like the way that Kenyans eat food is really weird. <laughs> it would have, that would have been really uncomfortable. That would have been like really tough for for many people, myself included, to deal with. I think. <laughs> um, but folks, let's be real. Uh, no, uh, hey, listen, I've been to Kenya, and I this is real, and I had one of the best sandwiches in my entire life there. Whoa. So, so, so get fucked, uh, racists that I made up. Yeah. All all you Kenyan food racists need to get at log off. Destroyed. Man, I, another day is saving the world. (laughs) Kenyan food racists touch grass. Oh, what's that? It's, it's the spirit of Karl Marx and he's waving and giving me a big thumbs up. (laughs) Yeah. And Franz Fanon is there too. Oh, and Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, they're they're, they're holding big signs that just say Griffin. Yep. Uh huh. And he goes, this is what I wrote about. This is what I was writing about. (laughs) Yeah, it was all for this. Yeah. Karl Marx's ghost looks at him and goes, it was all for you. And he fades away (laughs) and he can finally go to heaven. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, Enough of that. Saving the world is exhausting. Welcome to Game Boys. Welcome to Game Boys. One of your hosts, Griffin, and of course I'm joined by your other host, who is me, Lux, and we are joined by the true heaven-bound ghost of the podcast. It's producer Haley. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's a ghost, but that's more alive than either of us will ever be. Oh, for sure. And she's also the only one of us who's going to heaven. Oh, right. Yeah. Damn yeah. it. I feel like hmm. I could make it to heaven, except every time I talk about it, I'm always like, I'll go to heaven and I'll beat the shit out of God. And I feel, I'd like, I feel yeah. like that's like a that puts me on the no, no. list. <laughs> it puts you on a place where God's got to be feeling pretty bored and ready for some excitement. Yeah. He's gotta let you in. But, you know, for me, I don't really view myself as a heaven or a hell guy. I view myself as uh, 
an, a high level elite of the purgatory, maybe a, a jail guard or um, <laughs> some guy that drives like the Zamboni machine. Griffin's aiming for you're aiming for that spot in the inferno where it's just unbaptized babies and the pre-Christ intellectuals. Exactly. That's yes. what you're trying to be. Oh, like, wow. Like with Plato and a bunch of babies and Griffin. Yeah. Well, that, that, no, that, no, well, that sounds weird. So actually, I won't say yeah. Um, There's other guys in Plato. Uh, Aeneas is there. Um, They all kind of were into yeah, babies, huh? That's true. I maybe put you in a bad spot with that one. <laughs> How do I get into a non-baby realm? Are no, there, there, are there, realm, per, there, are there realms per, where it's like, normal people yeah there's purgatory in between where there's like going up a big mountain right and and according to a lot of the art i've seen people lie down a lot there which seems like a good a good fit perfect that's that's the realm that i i think i fits in well with me um what are we we talking about this week i don't know i Uh, i I had some it all my mind went totally blank the second we started something you sent me earlier this week uh we can do for our first topic which is that you wanted to talk go you wanted to talk morbius oh yeah right i Um, guess yeah it's morbid time and i love to talk morbius so i still haven't seen it. it Um, here's the thing. I, I still haven't seen the movie, but what I have seen is the internet phenomenon. Um, right. For Which those apparently who are living on, is enough to put the movie back in theaters. Uh, uh, and more. And, and, and potentially onto Mount Rushmore. Uh, that's, that's the levels this thing's at, is we're getting a, a stone statue somewhere. Maybe, uh, maybe he's, maybe he unseats Lincoln and we put him right there in dc who knows um like the thing about this movie just for anyone who's living under a rock and isn't aware is that morbius is a film starring jared leto it's a superhero film it released in theaters and got about 17 percent on rotten tomatoes and totally bombed in the box office and quickly was ushered to vod where it became an internet phenomenon and sort of a meme movie of people enjoying just how bad a movie can be so much that it's spun all the way around to people loving it. Um, and that wasn't just a few online people, but so many that now the studios are releasing it in theaters again this weekend. Um, it's quite a story about the relationship between VOD theaters, internet fans, and and memeing a movie in the zeitgeist, uh, and it's like, yeah, the fans do have power. The power of the meme is 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 ultimate. Yeah, I mean that is the funniest po- the funniest thing about it is that like it was getting memed, but it almost feels like whichever executives looked at the memes and like used that as a uh was like a basic as like a basic template. We're like totally agnostic to like the what the memes were saying do you know what i mean like all the memes are about how dumb and silly the movie is right Uh, and then they were like but there's a lot of people saying this movie's dumb and silly better put it back on a thousand screens genius 100 percent genius because now i'm gonna fucking go i didn't see it in theaters the first time because I'm going to go see it in the best possible environment with a, t- a fucking crowd of insane psycho fans that wanted this to happen. And that's going to well, be way better than seeing it in like a half full audience. You're going you're going to get one of two situations which are both going to be better than the situation that I saw it in, um, which I'll recap in a second. Because you're either going to get 
a crowd full of weird irony freaks who are just going to make fun of it. So it'll be like going to see like other room screening or something. Um, and so that's like a fun setting for that kind of movie. Or you'll see it with a crowd full of super freaked out morb heads. Um, I guess Jer- Jared Leto is like if Tommy Wiseau wasn't a good person. Yeah, he kind of is, especially in Morbius. Uh, Morbius, he really does do some Tommy Wiseau shit where he does like have emotional reactions that don't like line up to what's happening around him. Nice. Uh, which we uh, love to see. But then so, so how I saw it was with our friend Forrest at the Alamo Draft House with like a kid and his dad in the back row and then like three true doom Morb heads and then the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a very weird experience because we were laughing and having a fun time and these three big time morb heads were like very fucking locked in um, <laughs> and like constantly were looking at Forrest and frowning at him because Forrest is a loud laugh um, <laughs> oh wait they're taking it seriously yeah they loved Morbius and they were unhappy that someone was in here being like I cannot believe this is the guy <laughs> Damn, damn. Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, I'm just blown away outside of, like, I'm excited to go to the movie, obviously, but I'm blown away at how big of a meme this thing has become because it's become one of those memes where it seems like the only thing anyone can say on the internet right now is it's Morbin time to, like, a level I've never seen before. To give you an example, I was watching the State of Play PlayStation Showcase uh, live stream yesterday, 350,000 people on average uh, watching the showcase. I would say eight out of 10 of the live chat comments were it's Morbin time hey, or some variation of that. Hey, more more be us posting about Morbin time. You know, it's so much bigger than your normal meme this is bigger than the fucking uncut gems memes like this is bigger than probably any movie meme i've i've seen before uh it feels like this meme has changed things forever it is particularly strange because uh like you said none of the memes are really about the movie uh which is already kind of weird Mm -hmm. um and so that's already a little bit strange and interesting. And then also they're not really about anything. <laughs> like it really right. is just like that. Morbius is funny to say. And that like more yes. rhymes with orb. <laughs> yep. Like that's like 90% of the juice. And that's so funny. It's like very Dada meme shit in a way that is like really goofy and weird. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's like they're accepting it on its like rawest, most primal level, which is that, it is a silly ass name and a silly movie and it's yeah. silly that it exists and to, and that we are celebrating its silliness and that these things exist because that somehow almost makes your heart sing more than like the algorithmic sort of just robotic, just cookie cutter stuff that's like laid out at like in a slate ahead of you. Yeah. Um, well, there, there is something like authentically joyful about it in the sense that like we're it's still like weird comic book IP shit, but it's like very much reaching down to the bottom of the barrel. Um, and it's like, and because it doesn't get like Marvelified, like so like Etern- Eternals is similarly like no one cares about this property property. But Eternals got super Marvelified. They brought Chloe Zhao in and it became like a big deal and it had this huge budget. And it was like a thing. Um, right. 
And, and so it wasn't like a failure in the same kind of funny way. Whereas Morbius is like this character that like no one cares about Morbius, the living vampire. Like no one, no one was asking for this. But Sony was like, well, we got to do something with this like weird Spider-Man IP treasure trove we have. And no, it's though this is because they're trying to build Sinister Six. Right. Of which Morbius isn't even like a, like a front canonical member. <laughs> Right. But the thing is, is like they that that was originally the plan. And then those plans like fell apart and they're like, well, we're still going to try some of these movies. Right. Well, that was the thing is like they have this like stash of like basically all the Spider-Man characters except for Spider-Man. And so like they just had to do something with them, which was originally Sinister Six. And then the new Spider-Man movie happened and then things got all messed up. Um, But like, yeah, so then they have to do something with them. And so what they're doing is just trying to like force out these movies (laughs) that just have no juice and are just totally insane swings and it's kind of great i really wish they had fucking the fucking balls to make a real sinister six movie that's just about like talking shit about tom holland the entire time and like (laughs) kicking the shit out of him and like the final like triumphant climactic battle is just like all of them beating the shit out of tom holland like that sounds so fun to me (laughs) what what would be incredible would be really amazing is if they did everything you just said so it's just like mysterio scorpion the lizard rhino etc uh, like all fucking hassling Spider-Man, but instead of Spider-Man, it's Tom Holland, but Tom Holland's played by dollar store, Tom Holland, Miles Teller. Uh, wow. Now, listen, now we're at talking. This point, My- Miles Teller, he- he's gone to at least $5 store for me after Top Gun 2. Uh, oh, that's true. That he- I have to, I have to see that before, so I can re-render judgment upon wow, him. You haven't seen Top Gun Two yet? No, oh, dude. Oh my god, it's morbing time. Yeah. Holy shit! The ways this week uh, has fucked me are yeah. many. The only, the only thing this week didn't steal from me was RRR. Um, Audience, you have to see Top Gun Two. It I'm is, going to see it soon. It is definitely one of the best movie theater experiences I've had in my entire life. I saw it in IMAX. Um, which I also recommend if you live near an IMAX theater. This is the movie to see in IMAX. Uh, you feel those jets and boy, does it feel like you're fucking flying. Um, I think it's like Top Gun 2 is such an accomplishment for like this moment in cinema because it is so simple and to almost to a fault. But the reason it works is because it's just so ephemeral and so well executed and so focused on the characters that nothing else matters. And, and it's just, yeah, else matters. it's just fucking awesome. It just, it was just the incredible and came out of nowhere. And I'm not even like that big a fan of the first movie. That like, um, that strongly mirrors the reactions I've heard from, from fr- other friends of mine who have sort of been saying that like, the thing that makes Top Gun 2 awesome is that it has no it has no aspiration to be about the world, really. <laughs> it's just like a movie that is the story it's telling in its characters and that's it. Um, right. And that that kind of weightlessness and that kind of like implicit escapism um, is like fun and, and, and part and, of what and makes totally movies different fun from to like- do. 
Yes, and totally different from like I'm seeing a Batman movie and the bad guy is some January 6th Capitol Riot spinoff like the Riddler looks like a fucking January 6th guy. It's like, oh, like 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 you just ripped me out of Batman land. Um, yeah, like and, and, and like this movie doesn't do that at all. Yeah, there's some merit, obviously, to making movies, even genre movies to talk about the world. But there's but it's it's like so many things we talk about on the, on the show and like in general is that like. It's bad when everything is one kind of thing. Yeah, um, exactly. And so the fact that all these big budget action AAA movies, all sort of four, like tenpole movies, all kind of want to or feel like they have to say something about the world or interact with the world as we engage with it in some way um, uh, is a boring and annoying. And like, for instance, Doctor Strange was still a little bit playing in that space, but like was a little bit more liberated from like, you know, worldliness than a lot of Marvel stuff is. Um and also Marvel has another problem, which is like weird, ironic weightlessness and refusal to be serious about itself, which Top Gun seems like it doesn't have because Top Gun also seems like it has like emotional beats, like characters yeah, have it, bad times and you feel for them. It's and it's all it's not only that and just really simple that like it's like, oh, like if you put any of those stories on paper, you'd be like, oh, I've seen this a million times. This is tropey. And it's like it that is not a bad thing if it's well executed and earnest. Like it's it's like that's all that actually matters. And I think that sometimes people get too hung up on uniqueness or not doing something that's been done before. And it's like if you execute something well and 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 make it engaging and phenomenal, then it's still going to feel fresh and new and relevant even if it is something you've seen before. All right. And this is one of those problems also with a lot of, I mean, this is like a big uh, Rory thing that he talks about constantly, but it's like a lot of contemporary movies, especially contemporary action movies, especially comic movies, but in general have so much like weird investment in the characters being likable by virtue of being relatable and comedic, like that it ends up deflecting how much you actually give a shit about them. Right. Um, and instead, so, so like Top Gun, what I've seen, what I've heard is just like plays everything a lot more sincere, and a lot more earnestly. So it's a lot more it's a lot easier to just be invested in it. Like it doesn't have to sort of create galactic stakes or create like a connection to the reality. So it just creates characters in a setting that you get invested in. And that's it. And that's like, then you have a movie and then like it just executes a movie and a plot structure and a pace that is good. And then like, it just executes it. And then you have a good movie. It's also on, on like the my final point is this is like Mad Max Fury Road in the sky because so much of what they're doing in this movie is real to like an insane degree. I mean, all these actors are literally like had to go to like fucking like flying school and like be under like eight G's of fucking pressure, like in some of these shots. It's it's like crazy. Like Tom Cruise literally taught these people like how to be in these airplanes and shit. So like everything about these performances and camera angles and stuff, it just like, there's this like spectacle to it. That's just insane. That's also awesome that like Tom Cruise made everyone else, Tom Cruise, the movie because like, yeah, like he famously like learns how to pilot a helicopter. I remember for that, there was like that one mission impossible where like he learned how to pilot the helicopter and everyone was like, you don't have to do this. Right. It's going right. to delay the production. And like, we never see who's flying the helicopter. It doesn't matter. And he was like, I have to do it. He's like, he's like, guys, so, so there's a scene where that guy uh, explodes into a million pieces. I've been training on how to do that. I can do that now. 
Yeah, exactly. And I love the idea that he just like made everyone in Top Gun turn into him for a little while. Yeah, that, that's that is crazy because, you know, in the Mission Impossibles, it's mainly him just doing it. And like all the other actors have to like stand around and watch him be crazy. Uh, but yeah, in this one, he literally was like, everyone is getting in these planes. Um, and yeah, that's like it makes it makes it cooler for the actors, too, because I, I think that's something that we sometimes lose with all these like sets and CGI in the acting departments is like in old classic film when an actor was like climbing up a mountain or riding a horse up a steep cliff like most of that stuff was on location like most of that stuff was like really happening there was like there was an almost like frontiersman or sort of like can do everythingness man to actors like that i feel like continues to like get whittled down in less and less yeah totally i mean i was just talking to um after my friends and I saw RRR, um, we were just talking about the movie Sorcerer, the the William Friedkin movie where they have to drive the nitro uh, across like the South American country where it's like, but it like it can explode at any moment. Um, and like they had to drive these cars like up and around these mountains and like they had to build a giant swaying bridge across a river while it was raining and like drive a truck across it. And like there were times where they did that shit and like the stunt truck got pulled into a river. They had to like pull people out of a river with like cranes like and that whole movie just feels so fucking real. And I just thought you'd fucking know that if they remade Sorcerer like today, it would just be like two CGI guys in like a CGI truck. And if Werner like, Herzog tried to like make Fitzcarraldo today, they would just execute him. Yeah, they would just, yeah, it would just he would just have fucking uh, Klaus Kinski in a fucking blue screen room, and he'd be like, "What am I doing here?" And they'd be like, "Pretend you're carrying a boat," and he'd be like, "No, I want to carry the boat." <laughs> like it's, it would be yeah, it's it's fucking crazy, and I mean none of this is like strictly new shit, especially for us we can play this all the time, but it is like. Striking both because of because of shit like Top Gun and also because of like RRR, which I just saw, like these movies, like when you walked out of RRR, for instance, Rory turned to me and was like, ah, I didn't realize until now, but um, there's never been a good movie before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, but that's like that's exaggeration, but it's also kind of real in the sense that like, yeah, that movie had so much weight to everything that happened into it in it and was doing so much fun movie shit. Even when it was being corny, it still works. It was just fun movie shit. Yeah. And like the number of movies that are just doing fun fucking movie shit are so few that people like you and me and other people who like talk about this shit like lose their fucking minds and it becomes like a big deal on a podcast that they're just doing the fun shit that made us like movies in the first place. That just used to be the things that all movies were doing. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think things will change. You know, I think that like when people always get worried and freaked out that like the certain meta of bad content is always just going to be like forever. And it's like, no, like people when you put fire under people's seats, people will react to it still. Yeah. It's like it may be harder during certain decades or generations to get a certain type of thing made but like things always swing back like people will swing back and realize oh this actually looks way better <laughs> yeah and hopefully the sort of the sort of like international sales incentive to do the cgi movies gets like you know reduced a little bit or like practically driven movies start to do well internationally on a greater scale or whatever um, Yo, but seriously the last question um as you know I for reasons I won't go into on this podcast, I was cruelly withheld from attending the RRR screening in theaters. There is a few more screenings out 
until the 8th here. And I'm wondering, should I just watch it on Netflix here? In no, my, in my no, 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 no. If you can get to a screening, get to a screening. Here's three reasons why really quick. Fuck. God damn it. First is that the Netflix version is okay. in Hindi, not in Telugu. So it's a dub. So your we audio quality. We, we got a tele. I, I need my Telugu. Yeah. Or I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, or Telugu. Not sure. But either way, uh, it's going to be a dub. So you don't want that. The audio quality is going to be worse because it's a dub. And you were saying oh. that the Top Gun is going to was the best movie theater experience you had in a long time. RRR was the best movie theater experience I've had in a long time because people were fucking uh. people were jumping out of their seats. People were hooting and hollering clapping along to the songs like it really felt like going fucking christ i have yeah, to go you gotta go dude it's it's at there's some there are a couple uh, of like it's pl- it's playing at six today oh yeah well we'll get done we'll be done soon um i uh, <laughs> i uh like when i saw it i was um like there are a couple of parts of that movie there's where there's just like big like cinematic like reveal shots you know like a thing parts to reveal a thing or like the camera pans to show like the big moment or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at those moments, like the crowd just bursts out into applause and cheers. Like, yeah. It, so it was should awesome. I, should I bring my mom to this? Uh, if your mom can handle a three hour movie with a five minute intermission, I'd say everyone should see it. Every, you should bring your mom to this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking she could get, she could be into this. Um, my mom is visiting. That's why I asked. Oh, hello. Uh, no, she, she's not. She's not here right now. No, uh, yeah, but just general. Okay. Uh, Telugu. Yeah, we need. We need Telugu. I'm sorry. Uh, don't. I don't need the other one. What's Earlier, the other one? Uh, it, it's in Hindi. There's also, I think, a Tamil version too. Um, but okay. I think the Hindi isn't. In, it's in Hindi on Netflix. I was listening to. So why when we started, you were like, "What are you listening to?" And I was listening to a song from RRR. And the reason I was listening to it is before we started, I clicked a link to the song to get pumped up. But I realized halfway through that it was fr- it was the dubbed version from the Netflix uh, edition. And I oh, was fuck. like, and I was like, nah, that ain't right. And so I just started over for Damn, the original okay. version. You're right. I have to do Telugu. And listen, now all of you have to as well. You should. I, mean, uh, I Sincerely, fuck. if you get a chance to fucking see the movie, it's so insanely worth it. There are a couple more screenings in Austin too. Uh, folks should go to. I'm like considering even going to a second screening, even though it's three hours long. Um, it just has some like really like. It's just there's stuff in it that's like the exact reason I like movies, where it's just sort of like a big moment that you know is coming, and like there's nothing shocking or subversive about it, but it's just like it's the big moment you've been waiting for, and they just like super give it to you. Like yeah, they just give you the thing you want, and you get to like feel that, and it's such a joy. Damn. Uh okay, let's talk about some fucking games. Uh, Final Fantasy sixteen, baby. Man, what a what a journey we went on yesterday. So I could see the trailer. That was so funny. Yeah. Uh, so Griffin was uh, helping to tech a live stream, and during the live stream, a trailer Final Fantasy uh, sixteen played, and he texted me and said, "Lux, Final Fantasy sixteen trailer," and I freaked the fuck out, and I went to go find it, and I couldn't find it anywhere. And then hours later, Griffin was able to dig it up, but for hours, I was just stewing, <laughs> stewing in rage about how I hadn't seen the trailer yet. But the trailer, yeah, that was is cool crazy. as hell. Trailer very good. Crazy that they didn't post it immediately right then. Um, yeah, I mean, folks, it's Kingdom Hearts, baby. And maybe Kingdom Hearts, Devil May Cry a little bit. 
uh, I don't know. Looks cool. Yeah, but it's oh, it's just oh god, it looks so fun. It looks like they are one thing they've been doing that I've been very into is they've been trying to kind of split the difference between uh between Kingdom Hearts and like Final Fantasy fifteen kind of right. Uh, and it really feels like they've kind of landed. I mean, I love the fighting system in Final Fantasy VII Remake, and it feels like they've just kind of refined that a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, we only got to see some, like, intense high action shots and not, like, real, like, second-by-second second gameplay to, like, really see what the gameplay pace is. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a combat style that I will enjoy. Uh, other than that, there was some wow moments just in terms of spectacle um, between, like, real big boys fighting, like, big primals fighting each other uh, that I was, like... There's distinctly been like, oh, wow, cool. This is going to push the the PS5 engine some cool ways. Yeah, there's just some big, cool graphics and some big, cool, like epic fantasy stuff. And, I, and sometimes I forget, you know, now with all these different companies always delivering high end cinematics and trailers that like Square Enix were some of the original OG cinematic boys, you know, like they were some of the people who would like make those cinematics that just were unreal. When you were a kid, you're like, that's like better than a movie. Like, oh, my God, you know. And then, of course, the game actually looked like shit. But like the cinematics were fucking insane. And I think we forget that they're still like the OG Kings. Yeah. I mean, they've sort of, they, like you said, like they kind of like built the stadium in which all of the other games are played, you know? And like, yeah, that's, it's cool to see them get back on that horse and like do the thing again. Um, yeah. Literally, just, there's a fucking horse that like is pretty cool. And people say it looks like the Dark Souls horse, but it's like Dark Souls didn't invent riding on a horse. I'm yeah. sorry. Get get <laughs> yeah. out of here with these L- Elden L- Ring comparisons. Lil Nas X invented riding on a horse. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we all know that. It's fucking, it's on the, it's in the song. Um, yep. It's, I don't know. It's a, it's a very specific feeling that I get every time there's a new Final Fantasy thing, which is just like a little bit of terror that it will be one of the few Final Fantasies that like really let me down. And then just a ton of hope that it'll just like push, go to the, like take it to the limit. Yeah, so basically, like, uh, I can already see a lot of, like, Yoshi P's involvement on this game. He's one of the executive producers on it, and I think he introed the game, too. Uh, like, obviously, we see that they're really centering a lot of the story around, like, these primals, which is a huge, huge story thing in Final Fantasy fourteen Online as well. Uh, and I think he's, like... Yoshi is really great at telling a story that's modern and new for the franchise, but is using all of the old concepts, the things that people remember about old Final Fantasy. So it feels united under like a familiar brand still. It's like, oh, we're still using those same chess pieces, but in new ways. Whereas like some Final Fantasies, like Final Fantasy 13 and some other ones, they can feel so out there and different from everything else, like visually that i don't know it's nice he's doing like the old and the new and a great combination here yeah i think so and i also think that as much as i love the like kind of weird experimental periods of final fantasy it is comforting they've kind of fallen into a visual like pattern um like because i just i think about final fantasy 9 and how much i don't like it so often (laughs) Um, cause I used to think it was really fun, but I replayed it recently. It's just so, it's such a for babies game, like aesthetically and narratively. 
And like, there's a reason it's gonna that? be. It's I, don't, the, I don't think it's, I played that one. It's the one with like the the guy, the little like t- the guy with the tail, is a little thief, and you help the princess escape, and you've got the dumb knight who follows her around. Steiner. Sounds awful. Yeah, and it's just very like for kids. It's the one that's getting adapted into a cartoon. It'll probably make for a pretty good cartoon because it's so very like oh yeah, like kid kitty whimsical and stuff. And it has some dark shit in it because Final Fantasy, but just like doesn't have that juice. And it's like I'm just so excited. Like, I'm kind of comforted by the fact that like. Final Fantasy 15 was really fun, had a very specific aesthetic. That aesthetic kind of translated over to Final Fantasy VII Remake. Some of those aesthetic principles are very much at play in the 16 trailer. They're in 14 also. Like, mm-hmm. it's nice that there is, like, it's part of the fun of Final Fantasy kind of used to be, like, what's what's coming next. And, like, they're shifting worlds around in settings, but there's some aesthetic, like, sort of, like, uh, lodestones that are consistent across these games. And I think that's... For the best, even though it's fun to like speculate, it is nice to just be like, I know it's going to look cool in these specific ways. Uh, yeah. And, and this game is definitely, at least in this trailer, mega living up to that. And it's got me extremely hype. Yeah. So I don't know. Overall, I think there's uh, a lot of promise with this game. It's they slated it for summer 2023, which sounds pretty realistic based on how much footage we saw, which was like yeah. a lot. Um, so it's like, yeah, it seems like they could get it done in that amount of time. Um so yeah, that's something to definitely look forward to. They didn't make it clear if it was going to be exclusive to PS5 still, uh, which is a big, which is I think a big deal, especially as Xbox is kind of drowning at the moment um, in terms of having anything on it. Uh, especially after they had to continue to push other stuff. I just I don't know. This is the great push here. I can feel it on Twitch. I can feel it out in the game gamer universe. Not a lot of games out. And not a lot of games on the horizon. So yeah, I'm really curious started, what's going to it's it's setting in the 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 cabin fever. It, it's it's fully setting in. Yeah, because this year started really strong. Um, So many good games in the early part of the year <clears throat> in the past yeah. like month or two. It's been pretty quiet, although I have picked up one new game. That's not I don't even know if it's it's not actually that new release, though, but I've gotten at least one more like fun new game to play. But for the most part, it's been very like very still. And it has been. Clearly, Xbox is struggling. PlayStation has stuff on the horizon, and it's sort of like PlayStation's got to put their foot on the gas a little bit, and like you know, they got they got their enemies down. It's time to like go for the kill and like right really yeah, separate and yourself. Yeah, and they're and they're doing so much great porting to PC right now. They just announced a bunch more titles that they're going to start porting to PC, and like their their PC sales are fucking insane. Like, like the amount that they're selling on consoles, I, I think that I saw some numbers. I was like, they're selling like at least 33% of those sales on PC, like the next, like a year after that's like so much extra revenue, uh, that they weren't getting from before that. It's like, it, you're going to see a lot of stuff start to shift over there. They're going to yeah. own the console market. You're, they're going to have their games available on PC, uh, it's going to be hard for Xbox to to continue to keep up at this point. Yeah, because the biggest Xbox like sort of buoyance, I feel like, is the the Game Pass PC integration. And people started to fall off this month on Game Pass. Yeah. And I feel yes, yeah, and I feel like that's starting to fade away. And now that Sony games are just gettable on PC, people are willing to like pay the money to to dive in. Yeah, because I mean, it's like you could play, you could like, like basically, this is saying to a lot of people, like, oh, I could play fucking Uncharted at like 120 frames per second on my PC or something like that. That's like something a lot of people would be interested in checking out. Um, 
so there's that element to it, but there's also this element of like, yeah, the Game Pass thing is failing. And I think a lot of that is not, isn't even necessarily Game Pass, but just like we're about to go into like a major fucking recession. Gas is like $8. I think a lot of streaming services are about to fold. Like, I don't think people are going to be able to pay for all these streaming things. I think so. I mean, I think we're going to get to uh, I think we're going to get to the world of there are three streaming services and they're HBO max, Amazon and fucking uh, Disney. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Cause Amazon and Disney can subsidize their streaming services or other shit. And HBO is niche enough that like all they need to do is sort of like, I mean, they yeah. have, first of all, they have Warner money and they're like a prestige property for Warner. And then HBO has like a higher subscription rate because you also get the TV channel and, and like has like the, it has like these neat exclusive things that people want. Um, Like Game Boys. Yeah, like Game Boys. And I wonder uh, how many what's going to happen to a lot of the other stuff in the streaming wars. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. But it's uh, it's an interesting time for for all that stuff. Games are in a total drought. I mean, when I go on fucking Twitch, it's just these fucking casino slots, guys. It's so lame. Um, Like we're we're in a period where like. If there's an indie game that you can play with your friends like an Among Us that comes out and is even like halfway competent, it's going to make a trillion dollars on day one. Like yeah, everyone true. is waiting for that game. Like this, fact, is, this is your moment. Indie, should, if, if you don't think it's ready, just release it anyways. Do it now. Yeah, you can actually actually probably stop recording the podcast and go quickly create an indie game you can play with your yeah, friends. Literally, so literally, that we can, just some uh, fucking stick figures, <laughs> so that we can uh, live in uh, a big house in Hollywood Hills and uh, you know shoot crossbow bolts at uh, uh, actors. We could just uh, we could just um, like run run a private server for like World of Warcraft or something like that. Yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah, we could be, uh, we could buy Amazon Web Services to host. Uh, uh, oh, to we host. could bring back something like uh, like Club Penguin or something like that. Yeah, that's what we should do. Is we should bring back Club Peng Boys. Oh, Club Club Oh Club Pen Boys private server. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is how we get. This is how we. If make you think there the wasn't paper. enough freaks on the public one, now it's private, baby. <laughs> yeah. Now you can go wild. Get as nasty as you want. Oh wow. Um. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna write that down and then never do it. Um. But yeah. Nice. So, good job. Good job. Add it to the list. <laughs> A long scroll. I was continue to play. Down, never uh, do. Continue to play Last of Us Part Two. Uh, this is my first real full playthrough back through the game after my first one, and uh, yeah, I'm really just appreciating the story, the setup, performances. It's still just like leagues better than most uh, cinematic video game storytelling that, that you get these days. And there's a lot of neat little touches and stuff, and it is beautiful in like 4K at 60 frames per second. I recommend anyone that enjoys the series. The last time you played it was 1080 at like 30 frames or whatever on the ps4 go check it back out on the ps5 if you have one it's definitely worth a worth a revisit um yeah i've been thinking about that uh um, yeah definitely a ps5 play I, I i definitely say that's one of the things you should check out on the ps5 word well i've been playing a game that absolutely does not require a ps5 except the quality of life is so much better actually i will say this weirdly this tiny little like indie tactics game i've been playing has been the most 
I was started on the PS5 and I've been playing the PS4 lately. Um, and it's like the most I've appreciated the PS5 since I got it. <laughs> uh, because Wait, what? What's it called? It's this game called Wintermore Tactics Club. And it's like a high school That's visual so novel. Bad. I should I should just start guessing the titles. <laughs> yeah, it's like a high school visual novel and a tactics game. It's really fun. But a big part of it is moving from area to area to like look at stuff. And every time you move from an area, there's a loading screen. And I played on the PS5. The loading screens took like a second. No time at all. Uh-huh. And now I'm playing on the PS4 and they take forever. <laughs> oof, oof, and it's, oof. And it's like that difference has made me appreciate the PS5 maybe more than any other thing I've done on the PS5. Yeah, load times are fast. Yeah, like I, I, even just, Last of Us used to have long load times, and yeah, now it doesn't. Yeah, and just like I got so spoiled on it, and now I'm playing this game. It's like this really simple fucking, you know, it's fun. It's like cute, and the graphics are, are good, and like they're nice indie graphics, but they're definitely not like big, crazy, fucking high res, whatever. And right. like they still take a while to load between screens, and it's just like, man, I fall out of the game so much, and like lose so much of my rhythm when that happens. How the fuck does the PS5 not make any noise? It's crazy. I like yeah. pick it up. It's not hot. It's like, is it even on? It's crazy. Like yeah. my my PC is like three times the price and like specs and like it makes noise. It makes sound and heat. Yeah. Real, what, what is this? What's going on in these devices? Real PS5 move in silence like lasagna. Something. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So. Well, I've been playing more triangle strategy. Uh, Speaking and, of know, tactics. Usually, yeah. And typically, like, I've really only ever really gotten involved in XCOM 2. It's pretty much been the only tactics game I've ever really saw all the way through and beat. Um, and now triangle strategy will probably be my second. It has, you know, the the, the combat's fine. I wouldn't even say it's good. It's like whatever. But the story is just so good and so captivating and so bleak and harsh and difficult. Um, There's so many video game stories where there's like, oh, there's the conflict. But it just seems like on every level, your party is put into this really dire situation where you have to, like, make hard choices. Um, And that's so much fun, especially because. Yeah, for sure. And I really like the. I have mixed feelings about, but I think I ended up falling down liking the idea that like you're supposed to play through it multiple times. Right. Um, because I was like confused. I was like, if I go a different route, like that's going to severely change the story. Like these choices aren't aesthetic. Like they feel like different narratives. If you go down different routes. Yeah. You're supposed to, like, the, the ideal way you're supposed to play is you play through it four times with three routes that get like an ending, but it's not the perfect ending. And then by the end, you have all of the characters unlocked and you could do the perfect ending with all the characters and like see what the good version is. But every other ending is like kind of bittersweet. Jeez. Um, and it's it Forrest did it and said it was very cool. Burf has been doing it and, and, and speak positively of it. That's how many that's so many hours, though. I know. That's why I haven't done it. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I can do that. That's why those other games like Nier Automata and stuff, I just couldn't get through. I got through. Um, I got through near, but near really changes a lot. It doesn't. This triangle strategy changes like substantially in the story, but like mechanically stays pretty the same. You know, right? And I guess so, you're right. Yeah, and so near I was able to get through, but this one I haven't been able to do because it's like I just have to sit through, you know, over and over and over and over and over again. 
So uh, I, yeah, like I, it seems like there's like these parts of the the story where you have to convince your party of a decision. And then if you don't through dialogue trees, convince them of the decision the right way you want, they're going to vote against you. And then something will massively change in the story. So I'm wondering, like, did I just like not convince someone the right way? Is that basically what I did wrong? That could happen. Like, yeah. Cause I like, I didn't get what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. There are some parts in the game where like people's minds are really hard to change. There are also yeah. things like you build your um, what's the fucking stat? Um, there's that yeah, one. St- there's that yeah, stat like commitment or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and you build that by making choices. And if you get that high enough, it'll make people more or less receptive to your arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes you'll get to a place where like you just don't have the stat high enough to get them to do the thing that you want. And then you'll lose the vote or whatever. Right, um, right, right. And that's pretty crazy. That that's how it works. It's really interesting way to design a game where it's like you can have a real serious uh pursuit of you know you can go for one ending and just like be stuck in a position where like you just can't get it and you'd have to do it again if you want mm-hmm. that ending right totally um yeah like so it's so funny because like <laughs> i mean the tactics combat is it's fine it's like satisfying I- i'm a little frustrated with the level scaling of it because it seems like I'm always a level or two under leveled and it feels like it makes me want to like grind in the trial tutorial area levels over and over again, which isn't exactly engaging content. Um, so that's my big gripe. Uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I do. I like the levels. It's frustrating. Cause I like the levels where I'm under leveled cause I like the challenge of them uh-huh. a lot, but I don't like that. They, I don't like that sometimes I feel stuck and feel like I have to grind um, because yes. the leveling curve isn't there. And I know that like you kind of just can't give have- me a challenge without grinding, like like and like like make it hard. Maybe I have to go back once or twice, but like it, it feels like they want me to do like two or three rounds of the same try, like like side level to like level up. And, and that's just not engaging. Yeah. And especially that's like- when the story is so exciting. And I want to see the next part. That's the thing is I really want the levels to feel really challenging and push you to the next story. And I don't mind doing the grindy like tent levels occasionally because they're like fun. Um, But I don't like that you get one every chapter because some chapters are like immediately feeding into like some really dramatically intense shit. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to have to go do this side fight before I get to the drama things. There are other chapters that are like more spread out. It's like, okay, give me a tent fight there or whatever. Um. But having you expect having the level curve be such that they expect you to be hitting the 10 fight every opportunity you can, like right. does slow down the dramatic pursuit. And in a game that has such intensely high drama, it is a little bit frustrating. Yeah. And it's like, you know, right now, uh, the next main fight is a level 11. And I look at my guys and they're all like level eight and there's like one level nine. And I'm like, this sucks. Like, like I don't want to like I've been doing every optional thing. I've done all the tutorial levels once that unlock. Like what? Like what am I what am I doing here? Is there some other way to level the characters that I'm missing? I don't know. I, uh-huh. I just don't like that. Yeah, it's a little it's a little irritating in that respect just because you want. It's- Wait, what's the second currency do the second currency? There, OK, I use have a you currency talked to, have you, to have like you talk to have you talked to the old man in the in the tent? Oh, yeah. He, he, what, what does that shit do, though? Is there any useful shit in there? Yeah, you can get like level up stuff and class upgrade stuff and like cool bonuses. And you can get special moves that you can use, like the quietest things. 
I gotta look back into that guy's shop. Maybe you're gonna, to, you're gonna want to look into that guy's shop because he's got some okay. stuff. <laughs> well, does the shop update? Because all he had was bullshit the last time I looked. It do, it does update. Okay, well then maybe that's where I'm fucking up. Um, uh, I mean, the, no, the level curving thing is the level curving thing is also for sure real. It exists still. Okay, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, that's but, that, both things are true. But that's the only part that I'm I'm I'm, I'm not enjoying it. But it, it is fun that I'm like, oh wow, I'm really invested in this story. I want to get through some of this bullshit to see the next part. And and I think overall that's a, a success. You know, if like if I if if I like the game enough that I'm like, damn, can't wait to get through this bullshit to see the next part of the game. That's at least better than other games. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean that's I, sort I'm of enjoying. that's sort of honestly like the critical metric for me playing all video games all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is is like that is that sort of like is the story interesting enough that I want to do the next thing right and you're um, going to find that in Diablo Immortal yep. my goodness uh, <laughs> yeah a game I'm very much looking forward to <laughs> <laughs> so Diablo Immortal is the new free to play game for the phone uh, so this game literally you have to pay like $10,000 in microtransactions in order to be the best. It's awesome. All right. Well, so, so would you tell me about it? Cause I haven't been following it because I don't care. Right. So I don't care either, but basically it originally was designed to be a phone game. And then they were like, fuck it. Why don't we get dip our beaks in both fucking piles of water? Um, as the saying goes. And so they made it also for PC which opened it up to even more audiences. So now they're getting the PC audience and they're getting the mobile audience. And it's basically, uh, it's a big deal in the sense that it's the first kind of brand new blizzard game in a really long time. Um, and it's kind of its own franchise. It's like something that they hope to kind of like build on top of like a war zone or a Fortnite or something like that. It's not a battle Royale, but like, in terms of a live service game, uh, it's kind of like a new installment for them. There's a lot of cool things about it, but then you get to the nitty gritty. And this is one of the worst microtransaction games I think ever invented. I think it's like the next coming of like demons. It's it's pure evil in like how much they're charging for all these different types of fucking crystal currencies it's it's unreal <clears throat> i mean that sounds like fucking blizzard man yeah but it seems it's like it's always like you think that like after so much backlash that games would find like a balance but it seems pretty bad right now people but again it, like it's a free game and i'm gonna see just how bad it is the industry loves this industry loves to double down. Hell yeah. And we love to double up by and, missing multiple weeks of the show. But not this week. This will come out just a couple of days. This will come out just like a day or two late. I'll put it up as soon as Haley sends it to me. Um nice. but thank you guys for tolerating our recent delays, but we're back on our weekly schedule and we're excited to be back and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening, everyone. See you on Diablo Immortal. Goodbye. Buy me some gems. Buy me some legendary gems in Diablo Immortal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nice. COVID. (laughs)